Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. That simple, uncomplicated <laughs> theme song means you're in the steam room, ladies and gentlemen. I'm uh, simple, Ernie Johnson, and there's uncomplicated, <laughs> Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah. I am so pumped for today's show. More so than normal? Chuck? Yes, Ernie. You know, my first of all... First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. My favorite holiday in the world is coming up. It's mine too. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. I get so excited for Thanksgiving. I mean, people know I hate Christmas because people are bums and they want everything. So I, I'm not a Christmas guy. But man, Thanksgiving to me, I look so forward to Thanksgiving. What is it about Thanksgiving, Chuck, that um, that makes it so special for you? Just family and friends. Just family and friends getting together and eating. Like I told you, the reason well, I don't like... See, that was my question. Yeah. Was, it, was it the family or was it the eating? The friends. Like... Shout out to my place in Arizona, Baby K's. Got my two deep fried turkeys coming. You know, I've been getting deep fried turkeys for like 20 some years. It's the greatest food ever. So you have them deep fried. Yes. See, I meantime deep fry them myself. No way. Oh, yeah. You're one of those guys we're going to see who burn up his house one day? I've been doing this for years, and not once have you seen me on the news. <laughs> you know, you see the same people every year. Because you pick up your turkeys around between 12 and 2. Mm-hmm. So... First of all, you sit in the bar and drink from 12 to 2, but you, then you leave with your turkeys. <laughs> Shout out, baby K's. But for me, Thanksgiving, I always have 20 people and just sitting around being thankful and you just eating, you're having a great time, and nobody is asking for anything. And I just look so forward to it every year. Now, you and me, yeah. we're, we're on the same page on that, man, because it, it is. It's, it's the whole spirit of that day. And the first couple, in fact, that Wednesday and Thursday, I deep fry one on Wednesday. Then I deep fry another one on Thursday morning. And Cheryl Ann does the traditional uh, in the oven. So we've got three turkeys because, again, we'll have 25 or 30 yeah. people there. And, um, no, it's, it's spectacular. And what we've discovered over the last several years of deep frying is that you can also, like, make stuffing balls. What is that? You know, the stuffing you're going to have? Yeah. Form them into like, you know, a little golf ball size or a little bigger than that. And you put that in the basket in the deep fryer. Ooh, dog, my cats, man. That is, so you can deep fry anything, yes. Chester. And man, when you deep stuffing fry it, that stuffing, stuffing it, dressing, stuffing. I've, oh, um, man. I like, oh, I love it. So that's what, that's my first of all, man. I'm just so excited. And then this year, we got the big match coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, on TNT, Brooks Kepka against Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, me and Phil Mickelson are going to be doing some commentating, and I think B.A. is going to be doing it. Let me tell you something. Brian Anderson, I've got to know him a little bit the last couple years when we were in the bubble for the playoffs, and we played golf a few days. Man, number one, not only is he an awesome dude, he is great at what he does. Oh, without question. To be able to switch from sports to sports and have the same awesome, you know, 
control over everything. Like, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I've told B.A. in our conversations in the past, I said, before it's all said and done, you will go down as one of the great play-by-play guys of all time. Yeah. Before it's all said and done, he is spectacular. He is spectacular. He's on my list, too, now. He's on the list. You're never going to get him <laughs> on that list. You are not going to beat Brian Anderson in golf. Hey, let me tell you something. I don't care how many strokes aside he gives you. No, let me tell you something. I think he's soft. No. No, him, Grant Hill, Roy Green, Marcus Allen, uh, Eric Dickerson, those are all the guys that I'm going to beat down one day. It's going to be a long time before you beat Brian Anderson, you, man. You know how I just glossed over your name. I put you in the... In the to, I've already... No, I already... I, I already beaten you before, and you've beaten me. So that's... We're good. Okay. We're good. Yeah, but I'm really excited about the match. Uh, shout out to TNT for doing it again. Going to raise a lot of money for charity. It's going to be 12 holes this time, right? Yeah, I don't understand that stupidity, but... I guess you'll... Since you're going to be doing the commentary, you'll you'll have a grasp on, on the breakdown on those 12 holes, how they're how those are being played. You know, normally, see, the the thing I'm going to be grasping of is how am I going to get all my drinking done in 12 holes instead of 18? That's the only thing I'd be thinking about if I'm like, I I like to drink when I play golf, Ernie. Oh, I thought you were talking about on the telecast. No, 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 no. I'm not going to, okay, America, I'm not going to drink on the telecast. I'm just saying, if I only had to play 12 holes, I'd be like, well, when can I get to that second beer and third beer and fourth beer? And how many cigars can you go through at 12? I only do two cigars. I do one on the front nine and one on the back nine. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna get both of them in if I'm gonna going to play twelve holes. But I'm really excited for that 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 event. You know, TNT's been done on some amazing things with that as far as the money we raise for charity. So that's the best thing about it. So I'm I'm pumped for the first of all. I cannot wait for the match. It's gonna be a good week. Yeah, Thanksgiving we're gonna have the we'll be off on Thanksgiving week on the steam room. Um, but I would I would encourage you to do this. Encourage you. Encourage everybody who's listening. One of the things I do around Thanksgiving, is if you sit down and just make a list of the things you're thankful for, you will be amazed at how long it takes you to do that. Yeah. And you'll be amazed at some of the things that even seem insignificant sometimes that you're truly thankful for. Just start listing that out. You'd be amazed at the things that happen every day that you are so thankful for. And also, if there's somebody in your life who helped you be successful, Pick up the phone ASAP. Yes, sir. Pick up the phone ASAP and tell them thank you. Because, you know, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Chuckster and the Johnson family. Between Michael, Jovita Moore, and Grant Woods, I lost three incredible people. And I was thinking to myself, man, I never got a chance to tell them thanks for being in my life. And to pick it back on your point, if there's somebody that you really want to say, hey, I just want you to know I love you and thank you for being in my life. Just pick up the phone. Yeah, and stop thinking, oh, I'll, I'll always I'll have time around. to do I'll get, that. Yeah. i get around. Yeah, I got to yeah. get a hold of that person. Do it now. Do it now. Because this is, this is, I told you, this is my time of the year. And the last thing on, first of all, we want you, Texas. Hurry up and get to the SEC. We need a win. Come on, Texas Longhorns, please. We want y'all ASAP. Oh, man. Oh, by the way, Georgia's still number one. Ernie. Yeah. We had when we had Peyton on last week. And we saw him on the telecast. He was up there. Candace Parker was up there. They were honoring their legends at Tennessee. Shout yeah. out to Candace Parker, WNBA champion, awesome lady working for us. But man, I told you, when we told Peyton, I said, Man, I saw that train in person. 
that is scary how great y'all defense is. And I watched that game this weekend. I'm like, yo, man, Georgia is clear cut the best team in the country by far. Not going to disagree with you on that, Chuckster. So uh, we are underway on this uh, this deep fried edition <laughs> of the Steam Room, and we'll be back with more. Ooh, a special guest is oh, coming this is up a, next. Nowhere to go but down from here. <laughs> <laughs> That's encouraging. <laughs> Yep, we're back on the steam room. Wow. Look at you. I, I, I got to admit, I'm pumped today. This is the beginning of the end, America. There's nowhere to go but down from here. Yeah, I mean, when you have when you have TB12, yes. the seven-time Super Bowl champion and the executive producer of the match, which you will see the day after Thanksgiving on TNT, Tom Brady joining us. Uh, we can't thank you enough, number one, Um you know, a, a mid-season appearance on a podcast for as busy as a guy like Tom Brady is. This is uh, this is very big, and we only have one rule, Tom. Please keep your towel on. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, look, it's a Tuesday for an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but you don't play till Monday. So is this a is this a day off, or what are you doing today? No days off. Uh, bonus days. That's what we call them. So a little extra time. Um, Normally, you guys would get me in a better mood because, you know, we were coming off a win, but we've had two straight losses. So I'm kind of pissed the last few days. It's been a been a long couple of weeks, you know, not winning. But, you know, we're just got to we're in there early this morning trying to figure it out. You know, it's nice to get a little break in the day, take my mind off football a little bit and talk about some other fun stuff. How many times have you lost two games in a row in your entire career? I don't know the answer to that. Not often. <laughs> no, <laughs> not often. But I'd say. I haven't lost three in a row uh, since about 2001, so I don't plan. We we got to put our put our stuff together uh, for this one. We got Giants Monday night. You know, it's it's football, so it's a lot like basketball. I mean, all these sports are tough, man. You play against other really competitive teams, and margins of error thin. And we got to do more things right than we than we've been doing them. So we got to clean some stuff up. We'll get there. I believe that we'll we'll fix these problems. I got a question about that. So you lose the game to Washington. Your post game lasts a little more than a minute, and it's like, okay, that's it. Bruce Arians talks about, you know, the stupidity has to go away and that kind of thing. I mean, he, you know, he doesn't hold anything back. Does that ever come up on a Tuesday, or is that just, hey, that is said in a post game press conference, and we leave it at that? No, I think when you're the head coach, you know, you, you pretty much say whatever you want. You know, head coach voicing his frustration after a game. And we all have frustrations after a game. And I think we all have a close enough relationship with him where, you know, when he says certain things, we all listen and we want to respond to those things. So in a positive way, not, you know, respond like to him. He's right. There was a lot of things that we did really dumb. That was the truth. And sometimes I don't think pro athletes like to hear the truth, you know, especially in today's day and age. We like to be told how great we are. And after every, you know, win, you get texts, you guys are the best. And where are you at in the power rankings? And you know what I mean? At the end of the day, none of it matters. What matters is what we think as a group. And, you know, you got 53 guys that got to come together and you got coaches that got to come together. And Chuck would like him as a head coach because VA is pretty unfiltered. He kind of cuts <laughs> it loose. So a lot like Chuck. Hey, I, I, uh, I love B.A. I got to know him when he was coaching in Arizona. It was one of the highlights. One of my friends said, I, said, I need to meet B.A. We went out to dinner, and we stay in contact. He's great. Tom, what is the TB12 method? I started about eight years ago, a real formal business. It was all based on kind of how I prepared and all the things I'd learned in order to take care of myself so that I wasn't in pain all the time. I, it started with my relationship with 
the guy I still work with today, who's my business partner. He's like a brother to me. He's my body coach, Alex Guerrero. And for my entire playing career, I was in pain, elbow pain, um, early part of my playing career, high school, college, early part of my pro career. And Willie McGinnis introduced me to Alex and said, hey, if you want to have a, you know, a long career, you better start working with him. And it was all about preventative treatments in order to avoid you know, pain and really help me improve my recovery. And, you know, even now at 44, I think our routine is just more diligent and it's really based around the manual body work I get, which is a lot of really deep force muscle work. So for example, I'll throw a lot of footballs on game day. We'll make sure those muscles are not tight basically, and they're unrestricted for movement. So I think a lot of basketball players probably go through that with their quads, their hamstrings, their calves, their Achilles. I mean, all those injuries are preventable Achilles tears you know, non-contact ACLs, you know, muscle strains, if you do the work in advance. And I think beyond football, that's one thing I'd really like to teach a lot of people because it's really difficult for me to watch so many guys not reach their potential because they're in a lot of pain, suffering, injury. And then like the chronic injuries, you know, I watch God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant at the end of his career, you know, it was two ice bags on his knees, an ice bag on his shoulder. We could help a lot of those things if we did you know, uh, a lot more preventative maintenance and and really help guys recovery. Tell me about the new documentary. Uh, they, they've been teasing it for the last couple of weeks. And it looks amazing. Yeah. Tell me uh, about it and what, what you were trying to say. Yeah, what I was trying to say was, you know, I've had a lot of people tell stories about, you know, the team, you know, the Patriots and years and, and, and so many people get a chance to write things without having a lot of knowledge about it. That's the reality. And you know, there's a lot of stories that we as players get to tell that we're not able to tell because we're not in control of what's being said. And, you know, I wanted things done from my standpoint because I was in the locker room. I was in all the meetings and I wanted my teammates to be really involved. A lot of people compare it to Michael's The Last Dance. It, it's not it's not that. What I believe they'll take most from it is what really amounts to winning and why do people win consistently and successfully. And the culture of winning and the culture of greatness is built by a lot of different people. A lot of people played a part in it. Amazing coaches, obviously. Amazing players that get to tell really great stories about how particular teams reach their highest potential. And then what, in the end, we took from the wins and the losses of our Super Bowl season. So it's really cool. It's a great inside look at a lot of things that people have never heard, never seen. Everyone's, I, I think, really going to enjoy it. It was really fun for me to do. It's called Man in the Arena on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I don't know if this is discussed in the course of Man in the Arena, but take me back to draft night in 2000 and your pick 199. What stands out about that night? What are the memories of that night? And how did that night make you the player and the person you are now? Yeah, I think it's a lot of those little things that happened over the course of time. That was a big thing at that moment because I thought, man, I'm pretty good, man. I went to Michigan. We were good. I'm going to be a first, second, third round pick, <laughs> you know? And uh, they didn't see it that same way. So I think the rounds kind of kept going and it's very different. The NFL draft in 2000 now. Now everything, you know, is pomp and circumstance, you know? By the time I think it was Sunday afternoon comes, that's when they started announcing picks in the sixth round. And I was just sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to pick. Anyone's going to pick me at this point. I thought I had a pretty good college career. And then, you know, ultimately, when I got picked by the Patriots, it was the best possible place for me to go. When I reflect back on that time with perspective, there's no better place for me to go. And Coach Belichick, it was his first year there. It was his opportunity to become a head coach again. And, and I went into a situation with Drew Bledsoe, who was a great 
veteran pro quarterback who was playing at a high level. And I got a chance to sit there and learn from him. And there was a new system. There was a lot of newness for everybody. So everyone was kind of learning the same things at the same time. And, and, and I think I really embrace that opportunity to compete. And I said to uh, Mr. Kraft, and the story is kind of well told. He always says, I told him when I first met him, hey, I'm Tom Brady. I'm the greatest decision uh, <laughs> you know, the organization ever made. I never said that. I'm <laughs> sure I would never even come out of my mouth. I said, you'll never regret picking me. And uh, I just meant, look, you know, whatever you invest in me, I'm going to I'm going to make sure that, you know, it pays off for you. And, you know, I believe it did. We had a great 20 years together, 20 great years for me to learn and really grow up personally and professionally. And I look back at that time and it was some magical moments in my life. Tom, what does your dad mean to you? Man, my dad is the guy that I mean, everything I did, I tried to grow up and be like my dad. And uh, my dad is an amazing man, supports me to this day. You know, I had three older sisters. And, you know, my dad was, you know, he, he kept trying for that son and he finally got a son. I think he just wanted someone to go out there on the golf course with, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he and I would sneak away to go play when we wanted to get out and be together. He was just a great role model for me. And he was always there. You know, I think my parents, and I always tell this to a lot of young parents, you know, I said, don't ever limit like what you, your kids can do. You know, sometimes as a parent, you always want to tell them, Hey, don't, Hey, I want to be a pro football player. Yeah. You know, I, dad's great, but we should think about some other things too, if that doesn't work out, you know, my parents were like, yeah, let's go for it. You know, let's go. What do you want to do? You know, and I want to go learn how to throw the football. So we, we went to the college of San Mateo, which is a small school, a small community college in San Mateo. And I learned how to throw the football there. And then my junior year in high school, I was like, I want to go to football camps, dad. All right, let's take you down to the Arizona football camp. You know, I, wherever I could throw the football, I was going to go. And it was never, ah, uh, you know, that's really hard to do. You know, he never put a limit on it for me. And I think if if there was any parents out there listening, like, don't ever limit your kids. You know, let the kids just dream as big as they want, because you never know. You know, I got to live my dream. And I think I never thought that I wouldn't. It was very naive of me because not a lot of people do in the situation I was in. But at the same time, I never would have done that if someone would have said, hey, you know, think about a plan B. I never thought about a plan B. I just I just went for it, you know, Mach 3 with my hair on fire to be the best I could be. You know. Uh, talking to my friends who got young kids, what was the best thing about your kids and the worst thing about your kids during the pandemic? Uh, the best part was I got all the time in the world around them. And the worst part was I got all the time in the world around them. So there was a lot of <laughs> shut up. You know, the kids. I'm working. You know, I got stuff to do, you know. So I think part of it was it was amazing to have us all together. We were together for like every meal, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And at the same time, they were here every day, you know, so it was a lot of groundhog day for, for a lot of us. A lot of families kind of got, you know, we were all together all the time. Listen, Tom, I, I just want to think, I know you're a busy man. I, I can't wait for the man in the arena. TB12, keep, keep doing your thing, man. You're awesome. Obviously a person I tell people, Thank you and Wayne Gretzky are the two most humble goats I've ever been around, man. Just thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, man. Again, I'm just a huge fan of everything you guys do. And I think your camaraderie uh, between you two and Shaq and, and Kenny and, and just even on this show is, is awesome. It's fun for people to see, man, because life is so serious for everyone all the time, as we know. And it's nice to see people laugh and joke and, you know, say how they feel. And I think that brings a lot of levity to life because... You know, there are definitely serious moments, but at the same time, every moment's not that way. You guys just do a great job inspiring everyone else to communicate, not always agree on everything, but 
you know, enjoy being around each other as well. So keep, keep it going. Thank you. Very, very much appreciate that, Tom. It, it's all fake, by the way. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hey, have a great Thanksgiving, all right? And I, uh, and uh, again, we appreciate you being so generous with your time. Thanks, have man. a great Thanksgiving, brother. Thanks, guys. Deep fried turkey. He can't. No, no. That'd be the day to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right, talk thank to you. you. <laughs> appreciate it. That was awesome. He's awesome, man. Great to have Tom Brady on yes. the show. Executive producer of the match. Well, listen, it's not Subway, but. Who's counting? (laughs) (laughs) Our thanks once again to the seven-time Super Bowl champion and the executive producer of the match, Tom Brady. Is that crazy? What, that he's the executive producer of the match or a seven-time Super Bowl champion? He's won seven Super Bowls and played in ten. Yeah. That's a pretty good uh, winning percentage in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Ten Super Bowls, man. I gave up. Today was the uh, – listening to him talk was uh, – he's the GOAT. Yeah. I, I was arguing. I would make my arguments, but he's without a doubt. Yeah, no question. As much as I I stay with Montana and those types of guys, nobody's close to him. That voice you hear, uh, for you loyal steamers, know that's the uh, longtime executive producer, legendary Tim Kiley. Went to high school with Dan Marino. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually, he's uh, – as he said, I was the guy that ran down the field and ran into the wrong guy. So there you go. Interesting, too, though, Tim, you know, you, when we have Tom Brady on, Tim, and you bring up Joe Montana, that was his idol growing up. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And he, he wanted to wear the same number, you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. But I guess at uh, Michigan, they just changed it up on him and he ended up wearing number 12. It all turned out okay. Yeah, yeah turned, I think he yeah. did fine. <laughs> but you guys mentioned something about it because he did walk out on the press conference you know, wasn't a big deal, but Cap wanted to see if we could find maybe some Charles press conferences and see if he can remember the context with when these never giving. ran short. Uh-oh. Absolutely, Go ahead, first one. Your favorite folks on the call-in shows have been very vocal in their criticism of you for doing this. You really think I give a flying what the people on the radio calls say? I really don't give a flying. Well, you can't say flying. I really don't give a FF what they think. Do you remember what that was about? If I remember correctly, when Magic first announced he was HIV, I want to switch numbers to celebrate him. If I remember correctly, because, you know, Magic, I told you, Magic and Bird are the two most important people in NBA history, in my opinion. But I cried at that press conference, and I remember want to do something to say thank you to him. And I called Billy Cunningham because the number was retired. Right. And I said, Billy, this is my situation. Can I wear the 32 for the rest of the season? I think that was the context. Chuck, you're 100% right. Yeah. Listen, how can people get mad at me? I was like, wait a minute. Are you kidding? They're mad at me because I want to salute Magic Johnson? Uh, That's Philadelphia for you. Mm. I mean, you know, booing Santa Claus. What else do you need? Apparently, you didn't give up. (laughs) (laughs) FF. All right, number two, Cap. Spin it. Obviously, the ref's not going to do their job. They're going to let them set and move and pick that day. So I was trying to separate his shoulder or break a rib. (laughs) I was serious. Do you remember that? You got to know this one. So John Stockton, one of my favorite people, one of the greatest <laughs> to ever do it, was setting these illegal picks. Because, you know, he's going to have to hit me pretty hard to set a pick. So he can't just 
Waddle and Timmy. So he's hitting me, and I feel like waddle. it's a, well, waddle. Waddle, yeah. Yeah. waddle is your John part of it. Stockton's not going to waddle. <laughs> I know, but he was setting an illegal pick. Okay. But he's still one of your favorites of he's all time. He's still one of my favorites, one of the best ever. But he was setting those illegal picks for the Car Malone, and I couldn't get over it, so I was going through it. <laughs> all right, number three, Cap. Well, guys, I guess uh, sex is definitely out of the question tonight. Um, <laughs> Thanks for telling us. I'm just letting you know that. That was the finale. That was the end of my career uh, in Philadelphia. Great to see my granny, too, the greatest yeah. person ever. Yep. They had came up to say goodbye to all the people in Philadelphia because I had already announced I was retired and I blew out my quad. And um, I was just trying to have some. Because like I say, it was over for me. And I said, hey, this is not a sad event. I've had 16 great years. And I just want to thank every single person who cheered for me, who coached me, who played with me. And so the press conference to me was just, I want to make it as light as possible. Hey, Chuckster, where does Blown Quad rank on the 1 to 10 pain scale? Believe it or not, it didn't hurt. Maybe you really didn't blow it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I was like, because I, I remember I was sitting on the floor and my whole leg was just a piece of flab. Because, you know, the quad is obviously this big muscle, so it comes up like a, a a window shade. Yeah. So it came all the way up here, so ain't nothing there but a big old fat piece of leg. <laughs> but I wasn't in pain. All right, Ernie, I got one for you. I need to hear a Vince Dooley press conference that was one of your favorites. How about the special teams one? Well, yeah, I think that would be the one. There were two that I could go in. Uh, I'll take I, – I believe they were going to open the season – uh, with VMI, right, and so I'm uh, <laughs> I'm working at WSB in Atlanta, and and we're always in Athens talking to Vince Dooley, who was notorious for giving credit to the other team and always make you know making it sound like man Georgia doesn't have a shot this yeah. week, you know we just don't <laughs> you know, and so we ask I ask him about VMI, which was coming off another down year, <laughs> you know, so you know how about the season opener, coach? And he said, he said VMI. And this is my best Vince Dooley. VMI <laughs> may be the finest two and nine team I've ever seen. Their special teams get on and off the field quicker than any I've ever seen. And we will have to be aware or we will be penalized. <laughs> and I was like, that's your biggest worry about facing VMI this week. Uh, you know, I hate coaches like that. Holtz was no And Vince yeah. is a prince. He's, he's no, one of I, my I love Coach Dooley, but him and Lou Holtz, Lou, I, I didn't know Coach Dooley was like that, but I, because oh, yeah. like, every time you'd hear Lou talk about um, Navy, and he says like, this is the biggest game of the year. And Notre Dame had beat Navy like yeah, 54, 54 straight years. I'm like, clearly it's not that big of a game, Lou. But it's like, and then so I started laughing. And that's so why I hear the guys in the studio like, Lou's going to say something positive about the other team no matter what. That's it. That uh, makes me laugh. That was a great impersonation too, Ernie. That was. It was Thank the best you, for that. Sir I, I needed to get that out of him because he always, he does the greatest Vince Dooley of all time. <laughs> the other one is, is, is the greatest press conference of all time, Iverson, in practice. Or, or what about Jim Mora? Jim Moore is up there. How I about mean, Rasheed Wallace? Rasheed Wallace. Both teams play hard, my man. Jim Mora. Mike Van, Mike Gundy. I'm a man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? He's in yeah, there. I'm, I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm how, a man. About, uh, how about uh, – Oh, Dennis Green. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis yeah. Green. We crowned him. Uh, side note, I was actually at that game. 
Which game? Which the, 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 the Arizona oh, game. Really? Yeah, when they played him. Uh, uh, yeah, and when he when he, when he says, "If you want to crown him, crown him." <laughs> they were who it's <laughs> like. They were. Rest in peace, Denny Green. But that was uh, awesome. And, and also Tommy Lasorda's. Uh, oh yeah. After oh, Dave, yeah. after Dave Kingman hit the what three or four home runs in oh, the yeah. game. What did I think of Kingman's, <laughs> Kingman's performance? <laughs> and then he launched. Yeah. Uh, I want to. Yeah, see, I need all, to see that one. Oh, for all you kids out there, please look up Lee Elia's going nuts. Uh, e L I A for the he was the Cubs. manager of the Cubs. Hey, what was the guy for the Kansas City Royals? Hal McCray. Hal McCray went crazy with the bottle of vodka, and, and he threw the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Hal McCray. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. It was beautiful. There's a lot to Google for you folks out there. There is. There is. All right, TK. Thank you, brother. Thanks for You're bringing quite welcome. that. Welcome. We appreciate you. And remember, they may be the finest two and nine team <laughs> we've ever seen. <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Sing it, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. <laughs> Sound like Shaq in that general commercial. <laughs> that was tremendous. Way to, way to take that and run with it. That's awesome. Uh, welcome back to the Steam Room, everybody. Uh, our, our final segment of uh, this episode, which Man. is episode four, is it not, of season three? Yeah. It, it ain't It ain't Man. 24? No, it just seems that way. Uh, <laughs> and we always wrap it up with uh, Chuck's old school uh, answering machine. This is the number, 404-987-0330. If you'd like to leave the Chuckster a message, who knows? It may show up on this very podcast, the Steam Room. Here's call number one. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hi, Ernie and Chuck. I work at the Yonkers Public Library, and I just did a podcast review for your podcast for our library, and uh, I gave it a very positive review because I really enjoy listening to it. Um, I was just wondering if either of you guys are, are reading any books right now that you could recommend to the audience. Thanks, guys. Oh, oh, that's a good question. I, 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 uh, number one, thanks for the support, my man. Is that I'm, I'm assuming Yonkers, New York? I would assume. Okay. I will say this. I'm not a reader, so uh, I'm going to let you handle this one, Ernie. Anything by Leif Anger. Leif Anger? Yeah, Leif Anger. He's a wonderful novelist, and I've, written, I've read a couple of his things, and I don't have the titles read off. I, you know, like I'll read it, and I say, what was the name of that? But anyway, he's awesome. Wonderful storyteller, paints uh, tremendous pictures. And so anything by him, uh, there's my recommendation, um, because he's a wonderful, wonderful novelist. Yeah, I, you know, I wish I could do a better job of reading. My, You know, my wife will read two or three books a week. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's a voracious reader. I wish I had that talent to be, like, just sit there and read a book from... I got one for you. What's that? Unscripted. That's your book. By Ernie Johnson. Yeah, okay. That was a little self-serving. Sorry about that. Let's go to our next call. (laughs) Hey, Ernie and Charles, I uh, am a huge, huge fan. I say all that to say this. Ernie, I am a local news producer, actually, out in uh, West Virginia, and I know you have history in local news and I know you probably know that there's a lot of hardships to come with it. There's a lot of struggles that can come with it. And I guess my question to you would be what advice do you have for people who are going through it and some of the trials and tribulations that you experience? What are some of your recommendations for powering through that? And what advice would you have to let you move up in my career? Thanks. Appreciate the call. Um, I think 
the most important thing to remember when you're coming up through local news is that you are learning stuff at every stop, even the very first stop. I think back to my days in Macon, Georgia, when I was anchoring the news, when I that was my first TV job. And I can think of, boy, that newscast was a mess. I was horrible there. Uh, I didn't do this well. I'm deciding, am I going to make the, uh, am I going to pay the rent on my apartment or am I going to make the car payment uh, this month? And who's going to send me the notice that uh, they're, you know, they're late and we're going to come get your car. I mean, it was like, you go through those times, but you also realize that you're building such equity in terms of learning the business. And when you get that next phone call from a, from a market or a TV station that's going to hire you. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to a place now that's got better equipment. It's got, I'm, I'm going to learn even more. And then you just keep on, keep on moving. Don't get too tied up with the, oh man, this is tough uh, at this stage. Don't get too tied up with that. Just think about the fact that, man, I'm learning so much. I think I'm increasing my value in the marketplace. And then you take the next step and the next step. So for me, it was from Macon to Spartanburg, South Carolina, to Atlanta, to w, and at WSB, and then, you know, Turner for the last 32 years. Yeah, you know, I think my man, not that I've ever traveled that road, I think you just have to keep working your ass off because— Always be the hardest worker in the room. Yes, I, always, I think about when we had Jimmy Kimmel on here last year. Yeah. And he talked about the seven crappy cities he had been through— before he became Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. And, you know, I think about Adam Lefko, one of my favorite people at Turner. He talked about, yeah, I was in Nebraska. I was here and there. So, my man, everybody has a journey. But you don't get to be Ernie Johnson or Jimmy Kimmel. Like, you don't wake up doing that stuff. Like, you have to build and go. So you can't get down that you don't start. Nobody starts at the top. Yep. <laughs> you know, nobody starts at the top. So Ernie's got a better grasp to tell you how to get there. But you have to remember something, man. You just keep building your resume. One of the, my favorite people that we had on the podcast was Masaya Jerry, who runs the Toronto Raptors. And I use this when I go speak to people. And it's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been able to share. He says... People spend so much time worrying about their next job. They don't do their job. One of his mentors says, if you do your job well enough, other people will see it and you will keep getting promoted and doing better. And, and I, I really believe that, that people spend so much time worrying about their next job that they don't try to be great at the job they have. Oh, that's great. I, and and. Again, there are going to be times where you think you've got a line on, oh, yeah, I'm going to move up. I, there's a job opening here. I feel real good about it. And then you get the letter that says, no, we went another direction. But that's just fuel. And that's just, uh, and again, to that point you talk about too, it's just like, okay, how am I going to be even better today at my job than I was yesterday you know, and and keep making that progress? So that's uh, that's the best I can offer. Um, that's the best. That's, that's great. That's, that's a great advice, though, Ernie. Like, because yeah. people just assume you just wake up one day and you were Ernie Johnson. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't work like that. Well, I was, but I wasn't in TV. Uh, but you, yeah, you, uh, so name those cities again. Macon, Georgia. Oof. Spartanburg, South Carolina. Oof. And then and then to Atlanta. Oof, man. Well, radio in Athens before TV in Macon. Man, but, well, uh, you got the perfect face for radio. Yes, I do. Yeah. I think it's, uh, that's the oldest line in the book. Next call. <laughs> Good afternoon. I'd like to know why does the NBA allow people on the court? You see service walking by with drinks, people with food, kids. Like these men that are playing basketball, these are strong, healthy men. 
if they fall on these kids, these servers, these people with food, it can't be good. Why can't they move back? Like tennis, like um, football, like what other sport? Hockey, soccer. No one other pe- has people sitting that close on the floor. They still can pay a lot of money and be four or five inches back. And then why the players have to be all bunched up on top of each other when they go to sit down for a break, a one-minute break, a two-minute break? Um, I want to reach out and sober, but I know you can. Move him, move the people back. They don't need to be on top like that. Even the photographers getting stomped on, the players are hurting themselves from that. Please move the people back. Okay, Chuck. Well, let me tell you this, ma'am. Number one, thank you for calling. Those seats like $10,000 each. If they could put them on the floor, and charge twenty thousand, they'd put them closer. They listen. That uh, number one, I appreciate your concern for the players, but in sports, everybody's making a lot of money, and those people are gonna walk around serving drinks because they're expensive. Those people are gonna be as close as possible because they can charge as much as they can for them. I mean, think about that. I mean, some of these seats are twenty thousand dollars a seat, so they've got like you pay to sit basically on the court. And we we always hope nobody gets hurt. Uh, your point is well taken. We hope nobody gets hurt. Yeah, the but, issue she makes about photographers especially, you know, yeah. and, and guys who are underneath the basket with their gear and that kind of thing. Did you ever worry about collisions with them? Uh, no, I didn't. I tried to knock the hell out of any one of them. Listen, my thing was I didn't intentionally want to hurt anybody. But if I'm coming toward them full speed and they still trying to take the picture— Instead of getting their ass out the way, <laughs> all bets are off. Because anybody with common sense to see a big old dude coming towards you, stop trying to get the perfect shot. Get the hell out the way. So I said to myself, if I fall, I'm just going to fall on one of them. I mean, I didn't want to hurt anybody. I want to make that perfectly clear. But if these fools are like, still got the camera here, and I'm coming at them full speed trying to get a loose ball, and they're not getting out my way, all bets are off, Ernie. All bets are off. I certainly hope that answered your question. <laughs> um, and uh, all, you know, legitimate concerns. Concerns, but that ship is sailed. If they can put people on the court for $50,000 a seat, they'd do it. Uh, speaking of ships sailing, this one is leaving the port right now. We uh, uh, we are finished with another episode of The Steam Room. Oh, man, awesome. Thank you, Tom Brady. Yeah, we, we appreciate Tom Brady stopping by and uh, obviously... Great to have TK with us again, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, we will not see you next week because of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday. Remember those deep fried turkeys and the deep fried stuffing balls. Oh, I got to figure that out. <laughs> we'll see y'all. <laughs>